0: Willarro, and I'm your
1: other host, Robin B.
0: So, Robin, you know how last week um, I was telling you about how I was watching a bunch of murder mystery stuff, and just go with me here. I, I just like telling you, I like catching you up on
1: things. I feel I, the face that I'm making is like, I wonder, I wonder where we're going with where this. Are we not going like with this? I'm not criticizing you. <laughs> I Don't worry. Like,
0: we're not going anywhere actually important or okay. relevant. Um, my but you know how my I curious you? face
1: looks like my what the fuck is this bitch on about face, yeah. apparently. Yeah. But um, it's just curious, I promise.
0: So, you know how I told you about how Zoe and I were watching this show after party? Mm hmm. And that all we had was the last episode?
1: Yes. And that we had And you were theory. doing such a good job figuring had, out what was going oh yeah, on before oh then. Oh yeah.
0: We had this amazing theory where we had figured out everything. We we uh-huh. like solved every issue. You're baby geniuses. Absolutely. The last episode came out, we were absolutely fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like we we could not have been more wrong.
1: Incredible. I'm so proud of you.
0: I want to I want to point out though Zoe and I talked about this a lot after we finished the last episode. Yeah,
1: to justify your own not being to, good detectives.
0: Exactly. Things weren't adding up. There's still mm. some plot holes. I, I'm i just bet. saying, I'm just saying, um, mm-hmm. I think our theory was better, so... Yeah, you should have been yeah. the showrunners. Yeah, Lord and Miller, um, call us for the next <laughs> season. <laughs> and so, um... Just in case you thought that was like irrelevant and stupid and annoying, just wait because I have another piece of information for you. Some important news coming
1: in. I feel like this that's the theme of the episode, actually. A bunch of I mean, stuff yeah. that's kind of disconnected and irrelevant yeah. to anything. This mm-hmm. is what you, we, we, I, <laughs> this is going to be basically just the Willa and Robin catch up episode because you got back from your trip and yeah. immediately got gravely ill. <laughs> So we haven't really talked much. So I think we're kind of just going to run through like what... Mm-hmm. This whole episode is going to be what have Will and Robin been up to this this week, I think.
0: So I saw this on Twitter and I was like, oh, this is fucking perfect. And it's actually a bit of a tease for something that's going to be coming out this week from from me, uh, some writing. Oh, okay. But uh, September 11th, 2003. Okay. okay. <laughs> So the, September 11th this year marks the 20th anniversary of Drakengard. Guard. What?
1: It's the 20th anniversary of Drakengard,
0: Robin. God,
1: it's so it's so rough for anything that is that anniversary. It's just it's pretty. rough. You're never have, not gonna. You can never fully be like, wow, this is
0: so exciting. I have a family friend whose birthday is September 11th. Fucking rough,
1: rough deal. Yeah. I feel like you should just lie. Probably. At that point, just pick a different date. Yeah.
0: But yeah, Drakengard. Yoko Taro's masterpiece. The original Drakengard. Part of me thinks that we should just play it, you know? Just for fun, Robin. you love it. I, you'd love Drakengard.
1: I think we should both play it, but I think we also both know that it wouldn't be just for fun. I know. I don't know if you can apply the word fun to Drakengard. I think I think you
0: could somewhat if <laughs> you really tried. Yeah. I love it. I love Drakengard I know. so much. I mean, that's
1: not a knock on Drakengard. <laughs> no, I just no, you were no. the one who has sold me on this theory that like Drakengard isn't fun, and that's why it's good.
0: Yeah, no, that is a very true. Um, but I guess that's also sort of a tease for something that'll be coming out from me. It's coming out on Wednesday. I just don't know when. So like. Mm-hmm. If the pieces come out by the time the podcast is out, we'll like, we'll link it. But anyways,
1: that's exciting. Have you, mm-hmm. when's the last time you played Guard? Like, are you Drakengard? It's been,
0: it's been a Drakengard. Yeah. I mean, I played with Guard 3 a little bit ago. Okay. When I was like writing the retrospective that mm-hmm. I wrote, I was like, I
1: should play some Guard 3.
0: When's the last time you played the original Guard? The original, it's been years. Yeah. It's time.
1: It could be time. Yeah.
0: We should do a whole series about Yoko Taro games. A season of did. Girl <laughs>
1: Mode, season two of Girl Mode, will be when? When does season one end? <laughs> um, whenever we feel like it. Episode sixty-nine is the end of season one. <laughs> I think that's a good idea because mm. I do still want to play near replicant. Yeah, we can play the near raids. So I don't know. I like that you put in our notes "Happy 20th Birthday Redacted." I was really racking my brain, and I would never yeah. have guessed that it you was Dragon I You would have never guess
0: that it was one of the best games ever.
1: I I still don't know if I would guess that, even knowing Whatever. what it is. Whatever. So, what have you been up to in more recent <laughs> games that we've do been think playing? I think this is
0: I think this is very funny because in the like past few weeks, there have been like two really huge games that have come out armored What's core the one that's oh yeah which we just neither of has had have, have had the time to play
1: yeah i was going to i said last week that i would have i turned in a piece on thursday that i was like after this i will have time but then i didn't end up having that time because i had to yeah. work on stuff one of these days though i did end up like i had some time like, over the, this weekend to finally play some stuff. But I know that I'm not going to have that much time this week, so I didn't want to, like, get into Armored Core and then be, like, not able to function because I'm thinking about it all day. So instead, I, um, I played a little bit of... I went back into Final Fantasy 14 a little bit for the first time, basically, like, since I got laid off. Like, I stopped then because I was just, like, too sad to talk to people. And I finally was like, okay, let's try to get back into this. So I've been jumping in and just kind of like grinding the new raids for Tombstones because there's this like anniversary thing going on and I want to get some cute cosmetics, um, because that's what Final Fantasy 14 is about. So I figured this would be a good time to jump back in and do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on that.
0: I was saying to you that I think, uh, because we want to play Final Fantasy 14 together, Mm -hmm. um, and I and just you suddenly, are not
1: caught up enough to play the raids no. that I want to play. Yeah, you yeah, should yeah. though. You're gonna, you're gonna the mommy raid. You, you're I really know. gonna love
0: this. Like whole, se- the like whole raid series is just like full of it's like full really of mommies. Yeah, it's absurd. But no, but I was saying is that I want to do the travel log. I don't know why. I just was like, let's. That sounds fun. Let's do the travel log. Which that like be fun for those who don't play Final Fantasy fourteen is basically. Um, you have this, like, list of locations in the game. They're usually, like, vistas or big monuments or something, uh, and you're supposed to go there, and then you have to do a certain emote, like, look out or stuff like that, and you fill out a travel log. Um, it's basically just... Or it's the sightseeing log, I guess is what it's called, not the travel log. But anyways, it's it, you just go sightsee throughout all of Eortzia, which yeah. I think would be fun. It'd be a little digital... Um, digital, like, like, adventure for us. Yeah. Us and our cat girl, or our, not our cat girls.
1: <laughs> our cat girls, or bunny girls. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are really cool spots for, like, screenshots, too. Like, I've done a lot of them where it's, like, I find one. And it's just, like, because they, they're in, like, very cool-looking areas. So I'll find one and then spend, like, 45 minutes just geoposing posing and taking screenshots, mm-hmm. which is very fun. Could be a cool. It'd be cute. Take our little travel postcards. Since... Uh, I'm never coming to New York to visit you, apparently. I know, apparently. Well, I'm going to get another, I'm going to get a COVID shot soon. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as it gets cold enough, I will come and see you. Yeah. Because I don't want to travel when it's hot. Because then I Fair wouldn't enough. do anything. I,
0: I hate the heat. It's horrible. Yeah. You should come it's in fall worst. when it's finally gotten cold. And then like, it's so, it's like all orange and pretty in Central oh, Park.
1: Perfect. Yeah. Sounds great. I'll do mm-hmm. it. Perfect. But yeah, other than Final Fantasy 14, it's like nothing I'm doing there is new. Like it's, you know, it's the even the newest raids are fairly old at this point. So, um, nothing like too much to discuss there. I've also been playing the Honkai Star Rail, which have you been playing the the new stuff that's out right now? No. Okay. I I mean, I was like I was traveling for like 2 weeks essentially and I just yeah.
0: didn't
1: play anything. There's like a new you know, event going on right now that if you complete it, you get Susheng for free, which is good. Cause I really like her. It's like kind of, it's a weird little game. Um, I know I talked about the, like the last one of these kind of big events that they did, which was like the museum management game. This one is, you basically are helping a, like a shop district of on, on the Shenzo like, uh, like reclaim its former, you know, it's like a rundown place and you're trying to like help the shops there. You're re- revitalizing the neighborhood. Yeah, you're gentrifying the uh, the the Shenzhou Le Lefu or um, this little, you know, neighborhood of it anyway. And it's it's pretty fun. There's like one, there's a bunch of little games that are involved in it. There's one that's like, it's like kind of like a stacking puzzle where you have like a certain number of squares that you can fit objects on. And then you have all of these like, goods that take up a certain number of like slots on those and it's a game about like stacking things in the right order so you can like fit the most you can onto this like shipping cart so it'll like bring in money for the shopping district with the goal of um the like IPC which is like this giant like corporation in the game is trying to take over the district and this like complete asshole comes and is like yelling at the the representative for this neighborhood and they make a bet we oh, oh he's with with Su he's they make this bet that like if the neighborhood is able to make enough money to pay off their debt then Su Shang and the neighborhood wins and if they can't then this guy from the IPC wins and the loser has to like publicly apologize and bark like a dog which feels like a lot going on there um but But yeah it's like
0: dogs and games with armored core
1: yeah which is like dog yeah a real um real tough situation because if you lose that bet you kind of win still um but there's (laughs) there's like this this game of like stacking goods and there's another one that's like drawing like uh routes for the like side cranes to fly on Mm -hmm. and it's just these like Fun little things that kind of like are a nice little break from the normal combat of the game. Uh, but I've been doing that over the weekend and, and unlocked Su so I can I can use her now because I really like her. I'm I'm preparing my my girl squad for it's getting stronger by the day. When when Lu is added, it will finally mm. be unstoppable. That's going to be
0: amazing. Are you going to pull for um, what is it, Fushuan?
1: It's I, I don't know. Are they is is she five star too? Do you know? Yeah. It depends on the order because I definitely need to get. Well, she's Jing Liu. the one that's next.
0: Is she next? Yeah, <sighs> she's the one that like goes up right after um,
1: Don Hang's like special oh, new form. Yeah, which is incredible. I've been using him as a support, and it's mm. wild how good he is.
0: I have been checking in every day and like getting the free special star rail passes and just like mm-hmm. pulling for him because.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I really want Fushuan. I think she's really cool, but I I need Jing Lu. Like she is she occup she's my Kafka, basically. So then I just That's like fair. need, need to it. have her. Whereas Fushuan is just like a good character who I yeah. think would be good to have. She's good for normal reasons. Mm-hmm. Jing Lu is good Kafka, for did you? psychotic reasons, which is why I need her. Yeah. Uh no, I didn't get Kafka. How could you I don't know because I was I don't know up. if I could live. I knew, I knew that. I had a different evil woman to pull for. That's fair. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Understandable. That's okay. I get it.
1: Yeah. Um, Speaking of hot women being mean to us, we've also both been playing Baldur's (laughs) Gate 3.
0: Still, yeah. That game is full of hot women who do, yeah, who just yell at you. It's You tweeted
1: this. This is really funny. I Well, yeah, I tweeted that after I showed up at Last Light Inn and finally met Jahira, who, like... I'd seen people posting about her, but didn't know anything about her. And mm-hmm. as soon as she shows up, she's like, fuck you. What are you doing at my end? <laughs> and I was like, what's up? Yeah,
0: that is really funny. She she is like that. She's like, fuck you. Fuck your squad. I don't care.
1: Yes. Like, Who do it's you think ridiculous. you are? <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, we both. So you have told me you've gotten. We both kind of fell off at the end of act mm-hmm. one. And then. Fall off mostly, by which I mostly mean just got busy. Uh, and we've picked it back up in the past, like, week. So I am, like, just when you arrive at the last light in, when we talked last, because we both talked to the blacksmith to, like, cool off Carlac, thereby winning the game, getting to getting to kiss the perfect woman. I had mentioned there's another thing you should do in that barn that you hadn't done at that point have you did you go back and do that
0: (laughs) i did so you were talking about the strange ox which Uh i saw in the druid grove and yes. I, like, talk to it because, like, obviously I have speak with animals because that's, like, the number one essential skill you should have in any
1: Larian game. It goes speak with animals, number one, Thunderwave, yeah. wave, number two. There is a cat in Moonrise Towers that you need to talk to when you meet Hell it. yes. Hilarious. Don't you worry. Every time I see a cat, I go out of my way. Yeah. I spent so... There was one... There was, like a squirrel at one point in Druid Grove that I spent like five minutes chasing around because I was just like, I just need to know what every animal has to say.
0: Yeah. So I did talk to the strange ox at the Last Light Inn and I really grilled this guy. Yeah. (laughs) To the point where I was like, you need to like tell me what you are now. And then it turned into this big blob and we had a huge fight and then I killed it.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, me too. I don't know. I just thought it was really, (laughs) it's because it's, It shows up in the grove and it's very kind of sketchy. And I was like, ooh, what's the story with this, this ox? I Mm -hmm. can't wait to see the next. And then I see it again and was so excited to like learn what's going on. And he was just like, fuck you. I'm ooze. Mm -hmm. Eat shit. And I had to just
0: kill it. I forget. Did you take the mountain pass to go to um, the Shadow Cursed Lands or did you go through the Underdark? I went through the Underdark. Okay. yeah, yeah. So when you get out of the Underdark, did you meet, what's his name? The old wizard guy? Yes. I love that guy. He was hilarious. He's great. The guy who knows Gale.
1: Elminster. Yeah. Elminster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. was like a like D&D lore important oh, person, okay. which I was like, I, I really liked how they characterized him as mm. like, I don't know, maybe he's this way in the D&D books or whatever. I don't know or care, but you kind of like, there's this image of like the powerful wizard. He's so wise and, da, da, da. and then he shows up and he's just like this goofy asshole yeah which yeah. i r- really appreciate
0: i actually like how they handle this with Jahira as well because Jahira is from baldur's gate 2
1: mm-hmm. it's
0: like a re- they just like quickly kind of throw away line explain like all of baldur's gate 2 when you meet her because at least for me it was like i had karlak in my party and karlak is like number one Jihira fan?
1: Yeah. There was an option for me that was like the J... G- because I'm yeah, more yeah. worth playing Bards and I had one mm-hmm. that was like, because I was a Bard, it was like something about, oh, this isn't what I expected from the noble yeah. Jihira or something. Yeah,
0: And Carlyle was like, oh yeah, this one time she like saved Baldur's Gate from like this group of people who were like trying to resurrect the God of Death. And I was like, <laughs> that's Baldur's Gate too. Okay. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. But anyways, you're talking about Elminster.
1: <laughs> um, no, yeah. I just think it's funny that his his... His character, he's like, feels more human than I expected him to, which is nice. And he also gives Gail like a suicide mission. Yeah. And Gail's just kind of like, yeah, fine. <laughs> the thing I love about that
0: is because, like, yeah, Gail's whole thing is he has like basically he like a god magi-
1: and it ruined his life. <laughs>
0: Who could blame him? But he has like a magical pit in his stomach, basically, that if he doesn't feed, he'll like die. And then Elminster is like, anyways so like here's the deal i can fix this for you now and basically give you the ability to like trigger it at will so you essentially are a magical nuclear bomb mm-hmm. and then from that point onward every time you're in combat with gail you could just click it if you want yes
1: i didn't realize that was going to happen because then like the next time i got into combat when i got control of Gale, i mm-hmm. was like oh i got a new spell i wonder what that is and i like went to like click on it and it was like Gale's. gail's exploding heart or whatever. (laughs) It's like, oh fuck, never mind. All right.
0: On another note, I want to point out. So I was talking with Zoe about Baldur's Gate. And she's she's she has said before, and I think I mentioned this, how she loves Asterion She she gets Asterion And I'm like, Mm -hmm. whatever, fine. Asterion wasn't made for you and I, Robin,
1: but it was made for Zoe.
0: So I decided to like ask her what she thought of all the Baldur's Gate three companions Uh (laughs) and who she was into.
1: Zoe's um, Baldur's Gate companion tier list.
0: Yeah, what's your what's your predictions? Like, what do you think she would like?
1: Okay, she's into Asterion. Hmm. God, I don't know. It's tricky. I don't. I, I... Zoe is an enigma to me. I so, feel listen, like. Listen,
0: you and me both.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hmm. I'm curious what she thinks of Lazel.
0: Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go through each one, and you just say if you think she likes it or not. I
1: wonder if if Lazelle, she sees too much of herself in Lazelle. <laughs> which is just, like, a powerful, evil woman. You should cut that. She'll kill
0: you. <laughs> um, okay, so Asterion, we know she likes. Of
1: course. Shadowheart. She probably thinks that Shadowheart is, like too whiny
0: so here's the thing she likes shadow heart okay because she thinks shadow heart she likes that shadow heart kind of like has her own like thing and she's like listen I, i'm not gonna just oh, like yeah yes i'm not gonna yeah. like tell you everything like you need to earn my trust and that like tracks. all that kind of stuff zoe likes that in shadow heart okay let's go with lazelle yeah
1: ah god i don't know um I think she likes Lazelle. Hates, really hates Lazelle. Okay, yeah.
0: Number one, the number one, she just hates the Githyanki.
1: She thinks they're so ugly. Wow. Okay, Shadowheart. No wonder she gets along with Shadowheart. Yeah, I Racist. don't think that at all. <laughs> I got to be real. I think. The younger
0: <laughs> what did she guys say? Watch. What did she say? She said something <laughs> funny about them, about how they have like pig
1: noses. <laughs> I doesn't bother me.
0: Yeah, uh, Will.
1: Uh, I think she likes Will. No. Really?
0: Yeah. She I just don't... finds she, he she finds him annoying. Yeah. Which like me too. I I literally never talk to him.
1: Someone compared him to Alistair from uh Dragon Age Origins and I think that's totally true. That's fair. He's just like too good. Mm-hmm. It's it's like mm-hmm. not that interesting. Yeah. I think he I mean he's obviously way more interesting than Alistair because yeah. Alistair didn't have a fucking character yeah. at all, but it's the same kind of like boy scout.
0: Yeah, type. it really is. He has no, like, complications to him.
1: Which, is like, yeah, all of his complications are external. They're, like, mm-hmm. things placed upon him, which, I don't know, there's... Mm-hmm. I think there was a time when I would have really liked that character, Um, and it's the time when I thought I was a boy. Uh, moving on. Okay, so
0: next is Hulson. I think
1: she likes Halson.
0: She does. She okay. finds Hulson really hot. Big like, sure. Big nice big druid man.
1: He seems cuddly. I've not literally talked to him a single time. Same. (laughs) Seems cool. I I would hang with him.
0: I I feel so bad, but I like I talk to none of the men in my in my party. The only one that I stand is Gale because he's just so useful. Yes, exactly. (laughs)
1: He he occupies the perfect role of man in my life which is a useful idiot.
0: <laughs> okay, so uh what do you think Zoe thinks of
1: Carlack? I don't think she likes Carlack.
0: She does not like
1: Carlack. Yeah, that one that's the only one that I felt that I would know. It's because
0: she says that Carlack is too much of a golden retriever girlfriend and she finds that she finds that annoying.
1: Yes, that's exactly why I didn't expect her to like her. <laughs>
0: Oh man, I feel I like, yeah, us.
1: it makes perfect sense because both yeah. of us just want Carlac mm-hmm. to Damos and I don't yeah. feel like that's Zoe's vibe
0: What do you think she thinks of Gale?
1: I think she hmm, I think she thinks Gale is pathetic because he is but I don't know if she uh, if she likes that or not <laughs> um, I think she doesn't like him
0: she does and if i recall correctly her opinion was that he looks kind of like a little daddy i mean (laughs) and i was like i i i don't get it like i know gail's especially not for us but i'm like come on he's such a pathetic little wimp but she's like no he's attractive
1: how much does she know about gail though
0: Not too much. She doesn't know much about any of these characters. Okay, that makes sense then. (laughs) She read the inverse.com guide to the companions that you can romance.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So she read the most authoritative source possible. Yeah, exactly. And then last, um,
0: the last one we talked about was uh, Minthara.
1: I think she likes Minthara.
0: She's absolutely obsessed with Minthara. Yes, she loves this Minthara. This makes sense. She was like, I would do ungodly things for Minthara. And I was like, good On if this you have we, to.
1: You and I are in perfect unison.
0: <laughs> and I completely agree. Listen, I get it. Minthara is amazing. Absolutely. So we're not in
1: <laughs> The only yes, the only ones that I think I would have predicted would be she did not like Karlac and she loved Minthara. attracts so much
0: fair enough there you go um so that was (laughs) that was if zoe would smash her pass God, another round of what's
1: going on with zoe
0: i just can't wait i'm so it's like i we're not quite at the end of the year yet but like from what i know zoe is definitely she's on the track to
1: winning our bet with yeah she's scorching you with one point
0: yeah, and I just think a Zoe, an episode between you and Zoe would just be so fun to listen to because she is such an enigma. Like, listen, we've been dating for nearly nine years, and just, you'd think that I would, like, get a grasp on her as a person, <laughs> and you just never can. Yeah, she's wily like that. She's an enigma. Oh, man. Um,
1: Baldur's so Gate that's Baldur's Gate. <laughs> So yeah, you have gotten to Moonrise Towers. How, how far is that? Like how long after... Is it like right after the inn or what, how, how do you get there?
0: It's not that far. I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it's just on the map. You can just find it. And it's oh, like, okay. once you get there, it's not like you get there and like you do a bunch of crazy shit. So it's like, oh, the plot progresses. It's kind of like you get there and they're like, oh, here's some other things going on that you can... It's just kind of like another hub of a bunch of mm. missions and stuff. Um, I did meet... What's his name? Cetheric Thorm or something? J.K. Simmons. Mm-hmm. I met yeah. J.K. Simmons. His intro was actually pretty pretty baller. He seemed cool. But yeah, I mean... Basically, after like being at the last light in there, because like at this point, everybody's like, you got to go to the Moonrise Towers. That's like beeline it for there. And so I did because you have to like, you have to find either a Moonlight Lantern or some other way to get through the Shadow Curse lands. Because especially when you get towards Moonrise Towers, it's like the curse is especially strong. That'll turn off all non-magic lights, Mm -hmm. which I solved. And then... I eventually got to the Moonrise Towers and now I've just been kind of like exploring that area and trying to figure out what I want to do.
1: Yeah. I do really like the Shadow Curse thing. I think it adds a really cool element to combat because there was a point where I got ambushed by these like thorn monsters when I was going through the Shadowlands and Ooh. it was like a cool twist on it to be like, okay, well, I need Carlac to have her weapon equipped so i've got to like extinguish her lantern to or her her torch to do that so i need to make sure that i like keep someone who still has a torch up close enough to Carlac that she doesn't get the shadow curse and it was just a cool thing of like having to huddle together like it, it really does like sell that feeling of like this darkness encroaching and you need to have at least one person without a weapon to be able to like keep the light up and like have to huddle around them as things happened. And there were points where I had to like send somebody into the darkness and like try to retrieve them as quick as possible. Like it's just a cool kind of set piece that, that Mm -hmm. goes on throughout that whole area, which I don't know. It's just a really interesting twist to like make you not just like take away abilities you have, which is the thing that games do all the time, but like make you decide, do I want to be operating at full power, but taking constant damage or play it safe and like that also hurts you. Like I just think that's a really Mm. cool element to throw in at that like at that point in the game.
0: Yeah, I realized that I need to like rethink how I was approaching things because I had given everybody a torch and then I Mm -hmm. found myself in combat and then I was like, oh shit, it basically takes a turn to like change to your weapon. But this is like again where Gale came in handy because I was like, oh I can just cast lights and Mm -hmm. and have that. You know, say what you will about him, but he he comes in handy in
1: combat. He does. He has yeah. his uses. He has his uses.
0: But the reason that I I had been off of Baldur's Gate 3 for so long and and most games is because I had traveled a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I already mentioned how I went home to L.A. Um, for hurricanes and earthquakes. But <laughs> <laughs> I was only back in New York for two days and then I... Got on another plane, and I flew across the Atlantic to France uh, for work, where I played another game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Ubisoft Bordeaux, uh, so I could play Assassin's Creed Mirage, which uh, I thought I'd talk about a little bit, or I could just tell you about tell you about Bordeaux.
1: Yeah, how was Bordeaux? It was fine. Kind okay, of cool.
0: It was nice. It was nice. The issue was, is that I was there for like 36 hours. Yeah. And one of those days was entirely work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And one of those days I had just come off of like nine hours of flying. So I was very, very tired. But I did like walk around the city for like four hours straight, like immediately after landing. So <laughs> nice. got to get my uh, got to get my sightseeing in. Yeah. Much like Final Fantasy 14.
1: Exactly. you were just I did a preparing. lot of like posing. I <laughs> love looking out. Mm-hmm. And you were also wearing bunny ears the whole time. Uh so Assassin's they Creed were Mirage. Rabbit ears yeah. for Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So Assassin's Creed Mirage.
0: So I played like three and a half hours of it. And like the whole thing about Assassin's Creed Mirage is that it's like return to form. Like literally, they like gave us a presentation there that it was like going back to the roots of Assassin's Creed. Basically meaning that this game is much smaller, like, you know, like world map wise, it's more focused on stealth and parkour, um, as opposed to all the games in the franchise since Assassin's Creed Origins, which have been like open world RPGs.
1: Yeah, they have basically just become action games.
0: Yeah, they really have.
1: It's very strange.
0: Yeah. And so because people have been like unhappy with that. And also like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, especially everybody's like, this game is bloated. It's boring. Like it's so long. It takes like 50 plus hours to beat. We're tired of this. Like, can we please, can we please not do this anymore? Um, (laughs) Assassin's Creed Mirage is like quite literally just like an old school Assassin's Creed game. It takes place in one setting. It's the city of Baghdad um, in the ninth century it's weirdly enough it does follow um basim who if anybody played valhalla he's a character in that mm. this is basically like his origins um to becoming an assassin but i played like three and a half hours of it and my thoughts are it It is exactly what it says it is, is it's, it is a return to form for the series, like back to that old school style of Assassin's Creed. And like, as someone who like was a, I've, I've played like every Assassin's Creed, but I was really obsessed with like the, the first few, like my hands, it was just like, it was almost like muscle memory, just like (laughs) parkouring across things. It just feels like Assassin's Creed one and two. The issue is, is that this game also feels like Assassin's Creed 1 and 2. (laughs) Mm. Like the way I put it is it's it's basically like um, this game is successfully like bringing back this old formula of Assassin's Creed. But it also does feel like an old formula. Like uh, it, it was that game was designed at the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 like era which had a specific kind of like design mentality. And I feel like these kinds of games have sort of evolved in a way. It just almost inherently feels like a time capsule um, to this old style in in a lot of good ways. Like parkour is fun. Stealth is, is very fun. I like doing stealth and like jumping off of buildings and assassinating people. It's like very fun to do that. Parkouring across the map is great because it's a pretty small map. Like, this game is supposed to take 15 to 20 hours, they said, for the main story, which is, like, absurdly small, it feels like, for any AAA game nowadays. Like, I could feasibly finish that in a long weekend. Or ever. Unlike <laughs> or most ever. AAA games. It's like, yeah, oh, this is actually beatable. And, like, this all sounds nice, but also it feels kind of like janky in some ways Mm. like sometimes you're moving around and you do that very classic assassin's creed thing where you're like parkouring and then you randomly hit a wall that you try to like parkour up and the character just falls down (laughs) i'm like come on guys it's been like 20 years since assassin's creed one can we please figure this out yeah also like any combat outside of stealth just straight up sucks still Mm. it's it's not
1: great Does it feel like it sucks because... Does it feel like it is like effectively conveying that you're not supposed to be fighting? Or does it just feel like they want you to get into combat and it's not very good?
0: To me, it feels like they want you to get into combat and it's just not very good. Mm -hmm. And I think there are two reasons for this. One is that Assassin's Creed combat has never felt good to me. Like, outside of stealth. Two, one of the weird things they do is that they keep the like combat style from the more recent games, which is like, it's this Bad. really stupid thing that so many AAA action games have done lately where they're like dark souls light where it's like, you know, your heavy attack is on like the trigger and your light attack is on the like button. And, you know, you have to dodge and parry and enemies have these like stupid health, like stupidly large health bars for like mm-hmm. just normal enemies. So if you happen to fail stealth and you get caught and you have to like actually fight, it becomes this annoying slog that is also messily designed because like this is not a game in which it's so based around like enemy animation and, you know, movement and timing attacks. This is not like a heavy action game, so it's just You're mostly still flailing around with your buttons and it just feels awkward. And legitimately, my thought was, I was like, I wish this was in this way, like old Assassin's Creed, where it was just you had your one stupid attack on like the square button. You just spam it and you just (laughs) kill them all. And then you're just you're done and you move on. Like it feels out of place and messy. And like for me, it's fine because mostly I am a stealth player. Right. But there are still times where you get put into situations where it's like Oh, you kind of just have to do combat, and that's it's not bad. fun. Yeah, I have to say though, I do think the setting is really cool.
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because that's something mm-hmm. that they've really been talking about. Whenever they talk mm-hmm. about this, they they do say that, like you were saying, it's kind of like back to the roots and back to the thing. Mm-hmm. And they were they're really pushing like you gotta get to like it's it's about this city. So I'm very <laughs> curious about how that like Baghdad is a character. It's much like Sex in the City. Um, <laughs> Yeah, or
0: Bioshock Rapture is the character. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say I think Baghdad is a really really cool setting. I think it's the best setting that the series has seen in a really long time. I think the last like good setting was Origins, which ancient Egypt was like a really good or rather Ptolemaic Egypt. Sorry, I don't want to classics. The classicist oh, in me doesn't want to like miscategorize what it is because it's Ptolemaic. That period of Egypt was really cool. The only downside of that game was that it was a huge open world RPG. But Baghdad being like so condensed as a city feels so much better Mm -hmm. as a player. And like story wise, it feels good to run across because it is that thing that you want in an Assassin's Creed game where like no more than like five seconds goes by um, where you'll have your feet on like the actual ground, like you're always on a rooftop and that Mm -hmm. feels great. But the city itself is like masterfully designed. It's really beautiful. There's like this sense of place and setting. I talked to the art director a lot and it was this really interesting thing where they were talking about all the games they've made before in Assassin's Creed. They're always like based on real places. And a lot of them um, are more like classical westernized civilizations or even more modern places that like are very much exist. Like Mm -hmm. London was one or, you know, Boston, Florence, Italy, and Rome, like all these places like exist. And we have so much records of them and so many actual buildings, whereas ninth century Baghdad, that version of the city is gone. So they, they like had to piece together how to create the city from like historical records and first person like accounts um, from the time. And all this stuff. And they it was really fascinating to hear how they did this because they were talking about how like the city was a cultural center at the time for like trade, because it was like right in the middle of, you know, eastern and western trade on the silk on the Silk Road. So you have all these different accounts about what the city actually was like. So we quite we know quite a lot about it, including like having maps and stuff. So they built it. And they're like the defining thing about Baghdad as it is in Assassin's Creed Mirage is also how like separated and diverse it is for like what areas of the city's purpose were like you have the military district because it was the home of like the ruler of like uh, the caliph or fuck. I forget what the ruler was, but you have the ruler of the city. He lives in the center. So you have a big area of like the city is the military district because that's where all like the army is. You have like the the aristocrats over here. You have like the servant class who lives close to the like palace, but obviously they live in such worse conditions. They mm-hmm. have the trading center of the city, which the trading center is like has so much different types of architecture and design. And like a really interesting thing that I noticed is when you're walking through the like trading district, more than other parts in the city, you'll hear other languages, like just going around it seems really cool and uh and like for me the thing that i i was i think i was the only one who did this but they've been like really pushing that they're doing an arabic dub of the game so i just played the arabic dub dub when i played not that i know arabic but i was like it's like yakuza nobody plays yakuza in english
1: right yeah it's yeah i mean you want that yeah you want that to if you're if you're going in to see does this city feel real and like a place that has been recreated you know, carefully, I think you do want to hear it the way that it would have sounded, you know, or, you know, as close to it as possible.
0: It was fun. I think I was like thinking about this. It's definitely one of those games where I think it's going to, it's going to be a fun time. I think the biggest struggle that the game's going to face is that it's really going to like, we're really going to see if they've managed to sand off those rough edges of, like, the problems that always existed in this type of Assassin's Creed game. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been X amount of years since they made a, quote-unquote, like, classic Assassin's Creed game. Hopefully, they fixed the issues with it and, like, figured out how to make it have a place in the modern gaming world, but... Yeah. I don't know. We'll well, we'll see.
1: It's cool. Yeah, I'm not... I I've really... I played, like... The first Assassin's Creed and then kind of fell off. And then I played like the tiniest bit of Odyssey and Valhalla and it's just like wasn't my thing. I don't know. I feel like if if there's a time when I'm ever going to get back into the series, I think it's it would be for this. I just don't yeah. know if it's going to happen, but it seems at least like... I think I've I've mentioned in in like various times. I know I talked about this when we when we talked about Tears of the Kingdom. But like one of my favorite things that a game can do is make you feel like you are like embedded in the place where it's set, and like that it is a a, a place where things are going on. Or it, it's something I talk about with about Dragon's Dogma as well, where it feels like you are not the star of the show. Like you were just one participant in this place, and life is mm-hmm. happening around you. And it sounds like that is kind of maybe what they're going for here. And if that's the case, like, it would be worth at least wandering around and, and feeling that. I still don't know if, like, Assassin's Creed is going to be, like, a game for me, though.
0: Yeah, I, I would say set your expectations low for that. Because, uh-huh. like, this game is is most definitely, like, first and foremost, it's a story about, like, you're the hero, you're the protagonist. Mm, it's yeah. There are just cool details about the city that you can find if you look for them. yeah. But that's never, like, going to be the focus. It, it is really about, you know, Bassem's story about being yeah. a hero and turning into an assassin, but...
1: Which I think is fine, yeah. I think the thing that I would be looking for is more of those details and more, like, the sense of life in the city. And, I don't know, just... I think just the fact that it is reigning itself in is interesting on its own because these games, mm-hmm. and, like, most games in the AAA space have gone for just, like, bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is, like, just blow down like let's stay in one place let's not make you know the city of Baghdad be like one of 10 stops that you just kind of blow through and they all feel the same it's like it's like even that idea that you're talking about like the different districts like that feels interesting to me where it's Mm -hmm. like let's focus on making this feel like a trade district and this feel like a military district i think it will be interesting to see how that comes out i guess it
0: feels like they decided to go like smaller scale but more detail yes like Baghdad from like my limited amount of time and it felt like more of a bustling place of activity that the player could get lost in than any map from like Origins, Odyssey or Valhalla.
1: Yes. It's like that idea. I I forget who articulated this first. I think I remember Austin Walker talking about it. Maybe it was one of the original like uh, Deus Ex devs or something. But talking about the idea of like the game that they want to make or they want to see made is like a game that takes place entirely within one city block, but that is like filled with so much detail of life, not detail, you know, aesthetically, but like there's so much going on and it is so full of things that it feels as alive as a real city block Mm -hmm. is the gold standard of what a game could be as opposed to like, here's 10 square miles, but none of it really feels any different than anything else. And I feel like the closer a game can get to that, the more interested I am in it. Yeah. Uh, to go in the exact opposite direction, uh, one thing I played a little tiny bit of this week was Starfield, the biggest game in the universe, thousands of planets, never Over ending, a thousand planets. Uh, yeah, we should watch uh, the City of a Thousand Planets. Um, oh,
0: the um, the uh, the Luke Basson
1: movie. Yes,
0: that movie sucks. Have you watched it?
1: No, I have. <laughs> It just feels like the kind of thing I feel like it fits with mm-hmm. the sort of weird shit that we're like, eh, that's interesting. We're g- I've read going the original
0: track. French comic.
1: Yeah. Is it good?
0: I actually like it a lot.
1: Anyway, Starfield uh, isn't it good. Um, I only played. <laughs> so, so the other night, as I was saying, like, I had like a little bit of time where I was like, I could play Armored Core, but I was just in a weird mood where I was like, getting kind of tired. I knew I wasn't able to pay attention to anything and I had work in the morning and so I didn't want to play something that was going to keep me up. And so I was like, "Starfield." I know what will put me to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was like, I I won't get invested enough that I can't stop. So I played like the first, I don't know, hour or so of it. And I was talking to you about this. It it feels more than anything like a parody of a Bethesda game Mm -hmm. where like you wake up you later, you know, you come to like as the game starts and you're on this like little transport ship thing, like the, like the, the way that, you know, Skyrim starts you on the little cart or whatever is going to get executed. This starts you on this little ship and you are like a miner. You're, you're a space miner. You're going to mine space gold off an asteroid or whatever. And it's just like, as it opens there, like you have like your boss and you're like another one of your fellow miners. And it's like, this like gruff white guy who's like quippy and kind of like, you know, busting your balls. And then the boss is this kind of like, I don't know, like mean Asian boss lady. And it's like, oh, these are like we're playing with these like very old, <laughs> shitty sci-fi tropes still, uh, that feel both like racially and creatively uh, you know, bankrupt, a little icky and a little like not very well thought out. Uh, you go and you land on the planet. And it's just, like, they're kind of, like, doing, like, this tough guy routine, and then you get sent in to, like, oh, there's this special magic mineral that you go off on your own, and you go, you could get that, because you're the new guy or whatever. And then you go and you touch this, like, special space mineral, and it shows you, like, a Windows screensaver of space, and, um it's like the, the beginning of mass effect where you like touch the artifact and have all those visions, except it's not interesting. Cause it's literally just shows you <laughs> a bunch of stars and it's like, okay. And then you like take that out of the mine and there's a guy who's coming, like your contact, who's coming to pick it up. And it's like your boss's old friend and he comes up and he's like, Hey, how's it going? And then they're not friends anymore. They're like, it just feels really, it just feels like they're, they're trying to, it's, it feels so, tropey and so like they're just loading it with stereotypes to the point where like the logic of the story breaks down. And I don't know, you like hand off this mineral to him and he's like, no, actually because you saw those visions, that means you're special. So now you have to go back to the place that I came from, which is the like basically like the Federation of this game. Like it's it's called Constellation. It's like the Explorers League or whatever. And he's like, no, you're special, so you have to go do this. And even if you, like, in dialogue, tell him, like, I don't want to fucking do that. Like, you're an absolute stranger. He's like, no, you definitely have to. That's okay with you, right? This person's boss. And she's like, yeah, totally. You should go. And then you have to do that. And then pirates come and attack for no reason. And you have to fight them with terrible combat that feels exactly like it did in, like, Fallout 4. And then it just makes you get on the spaceship and go, like, throw away your whole life to go join the Federation it's just, I mean, it's a fucking rough start. This Like, I have like never heard of something that sounds more miserable to me. It's so cool. It's just like, and all this happens so quickly, too. It's just like, here you are. You don't know who you are yet. You're a space miner. Go do this job. Oh, you just had a spiritual experience because of this rock. Now you get to go and join, <laughs> you know, the special, special kids club and go explore the universe. Okay, bye. None of that had any... Choices to make or anything interesting about it. And then you just go with your new robot companion. You also have like during this whole sequence, you have like a space mining laser. And I kept trying to like shoot people with it just to like see, you know, like if you could do it. And most of the time it just goes right through people. But there was like, there's like a robot companion who like joins your ship and he's there and you can shoot. Did like you kill the robot? No, you can't. Because okay. I fired this laser directly at his little robot head for like five minutes <laughs> as everyone the else Maniac. was talking. And he was just like, damage detected and nothing would happen. I was basically like just kind of poking the edges to see like, is it yeah. going to let me Go off the rails at all, and the answer was no. So, I don't know. It's just I didn't expect to like it, (laughs) and I it didn't surprise me. It just, God, it really feels. And again, this is the opening hour. I'm sure it gets less shitty, but it
0: just feels like the way that your your whole face is filled with contempt and disbelief at your own idea that it could get better.
1: (laughs) It just feels like this formula hasn't changed it all in like the 10 years since skyrim like fuck man i don't know it just kind of makes it, it just it, it just feels so pointless to me i don't know how much of this i feel like playing but i mainly just introduced that because there was a good transition there i don't have much to say about it it's boring as shit
0: yeah i i'm gonna avoid playing this game if, if at all possible if,
1: <laughs> if it will be allowable at all I know, but you've been playing something that sounds far more exciting.
0: Yeah. Instead of like wasting my time with Starfield, (laughs) I've been I played this game that I uh, was really excited about, which is Chance of Senar, which I played at Tribeca, and now the whole the full game is out. I played it; it's great. Highly suggest it. Uh, The whole like premise of Chance of Senar is basically you wake up and it's it's just like starfield you wake up you don't know who you are you just, this game sucks it's just starfield anyways um no but you wake up and the whole premise of this game is that you you're trying to make your way up this big tower and along the way you run into these like written languages and then eventually you meet people who speak these languages but you you run into a language and it has like it's all done in text that, you know, you can understand. These are languages that were made for the game and you have to translate it to make your way through the game. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like I think a great demonstration of like how the game works is the f- the first puzzle you encounter, which is you reach a door and next to the door there's a lever and then there's a sign and the sign has like symbol a symbol b and then another like and then another line below that below that which is like symbol c symbol b mm-hmm. so you have to figure out like okay symbol a means like lock door and or and b is door and then c is unlock door and you put in like into your little translation booklet that the game has for you. Like, I think this is lock, this is unlock, and this is door. And I'm going to progress through. And eventually you reach the end of this little puzzle and very Obra Dinn style. You'll guess. And then it'll be like, yes, you got that correct. So now we're going to tell you this is the translation and it is lock, unlock, door. And then you keep going and you you meet new people that you talk to and eventually like uh, as the game progresses, there are five languages and each one has like 27 symbols. So there's so much translation that goes on. And this game does what like the best puzzle games do, which is that it requires like real logical work on the part of the player to think about what you're, you know, seeing and really think about how we use language and structure there are a lot of great moments that I like think about with this game that point out why I think it's so great, which mm-hmm. is if you like really pay attention to the symbols and stuff, the first language, you'll be you'll be seeing all these symbols. And eventually, like I had this revelation where I was playing it and I was like, oh, wait, if a symbol has like if part of it is this like sideways C, that means this is a verb.
1: Oh, that's so re- that that's really cool.
0: That can help me translate it because now I know what part of speech it is yeah. and I know how their language is structured also. So I can be like, oh, well, if it's this, if this is the verb between these two nouns that I know, then OK, I, I can guess that this means like, you know, shove or something. Mm-hmm. And then you'll like move on and eventually you reach another language and it's the first language that you realize has punctuation and it has like special characters that denote if a sentence is a question or if it's a negative like there will be little symbols that denote that the verb within that sentence is actually negated so it's like yeah. oh if the verb that you see is you know push but it has these symbols on the outside of the sentence the sentence really means oh, I did not push that or mm-hmm. something. It's like genius. That's great. And it just, every language gets more complicated about like how languages evolve and work. And eventually you have to understand like the context of how language is used within how this group understands culture yeah, and like their belief system. Because there's one great moment where like, there are two people and they're talking and you realize they're telling a joke. And you have to be like, oh, well, if it's a joke, then it means that this part is this. It's like all these amazing puzzle things. And you can link symbols from one language that you've already translated to the corresponding symbol in another language to like figure out what things mean. Mm -hmm. It's really great. It's like genius. Um, It's like a 10 hour game. It's so good. Uh, there There are two pain points that it has for me, which is... I think it doesn't nail its ending narratively, which is like, it's really hard to do. And I get that. So it's like, I kind of forgive it, whatever. The bigger issue is that they're, Sometimes there's these, like, stealth sections, which feel so out of place mm-hmm. for a game that is mostly just a logic puzzle about, like, language.
1: Yeah, um, that's weird.
0: And there are these, yeah, there's these, like, big sections of of having to, like, stealth around areas, and those are miserable. And, like, literally, I had to stop for, like, a whole day because I was so annoyed with it. But beyond that, the, the like, central mechanic of the game is actually, like, genius. I, I still think it's one of the most fun things that has like been done in a game this year um, yeah. and i do highly recommend it
1: yeah this was one of the games i was most looking forward to this year and i'm i'm so glad to hear that it came out that well like that that explanation makes me want to play it even more i need to like push up the list a few spots because yeah i played that that demo that came out a few months ago and i was just like man if they can nail like if they can stick the landing like as much as it feels like they're they're going to like this could be something really really special I'm glad here I worked for you for the most part yeah
0: I'm like I'm like really happy with it just because it does feel like it it works because it's not just using language as a fun puzzle but because through the puzzles you realize that you're like actually having to think about the like societal way we use language yeah um it's Fucking great. I don't know. That's awesome. As someone as someone who like used to study Latin and like do translation and stuff like that, I think it just scratched a, a certain itch in my brain. But Hell yeah.
1: yeah. Awesome. Uh I guess my I'll just wrap up quickly with my the kind of last thing I've been doing this week, which is another game we have both kind of been looking forward to. Uh I finished up. Uh, goodbye Volcano High, which I mentioned a little bit at the end of last week. Uh, I still need to write my review, actually, because once I finished <laughs> it, I got too busy to do that. So I haven't like fully, you know, it, my thoughts aren't fully coherent on it yet. But basically, like I feel kind of similarly to this where it's like um, when this game is working at its full power, it has genuinely some of the best moments of a game I've played this year. Like there when this game is cooking, it's like the best I've felt playing a game in a really long time. But those moments are pretty rare. Uh and Goodbye, Volcano okay, High, it just again is like a visual novel about your like little anthro dinosaurs going to high school right before the asteroid that comes and destroys all of you hits. And you're also in a band and you're like preparing for the battle of the bands that you're trying to get in. And it's going to be like your big break. So it's kind of split between like visual novel sections of you're just like choosing dialogue and rhythm sections where you're playing like the music that this, this main character is, um, you know, kind of composing and and writing for this battle of the bands. And there, I think both halves of it are like good, but not great. Um, I eventually kind of got over my issue that I had with like the timing of some of the stuff in the rhythm, like, it feels like it's right, but it's just like the way it's displayed on screen for some reason always didn't quite gel for me. The visual novel stuff, like you're, you're, I feel like you're teenagers and it's really hard for adults to write a story where you are teenagers and not have it be like skin crawlingly cringy. And I think for the most part, Goodbye Volcano High nails it. There's a couple of spots where it's like, you know, how do you do fellow teens feeling, but I don't know the the story. Basically, it just kind of goes off the rails in like the second to third act. Like it just, it really loses its way. It goes down these weird detours and like loses focus on the central thing, which is the world is ending. And like, what do you do with the time you have left? And like, what do your dreams mean when you know that they are finite? Like there's an end to them and you're not going to reach them which I think is like really powerful and maybe I'm just stupid, but I didn't see it until I like really started playing it now. Like the like huge parallels between like that and like what we're going through right now. Like I feel like there was so much more room for it to play with this feeling of like, we're living through the end of the world and how do we handle that? That it doesn't really go far enough with. There's also some other really cute things in it. Like there's like a, like a Twitter basically in the game that you can scroll through and it's like lots of, If you're like as extremely online as as we are, unfortunately, like there's lots of like funny jokes about the kind of like rhythm that people write in on Twitter and the sort of like formats. Uh, The art is great. Like the the voice acting is fucking phenomenal. Like there's there's so much good about this game. And like the the moments where I'm saying where we're really sing and it really really works is like some of these songs. There's like such a complicated series of things you have to do and. In the songs, it's also telling a story. Like it, it, it made me think of your review of *Stray Gods*, where you talk about how the music never really propels the story. There's a lot of ways in which I think this game does a better job of that, but it like doesn't always nail that. Sometimes it does the thing where it's like rehashing things. The best of them, I think, are these kind of like montage sequences where you're playing a song, and it's kind of showing you what. Uh, this main character Fang is like thinking about or like what they're kind of processing or like what this song means to them as they play the song. And then like the kind of final sequence or a uh, near the end is where you play the battle of the bands. And that sequence is like, you play a couple songs in a row and it fucking rips. It's like, you really feel it. Like you can feel like their emotion. You can feel like the the kind of weight of everything that's been happening so far falling down on their shoulders. And I think it really works so well in those moments. And it just I I was left kind of disappointed that those moments are so few and far between. But it's good. I don't know. There's a lot of I'll say there is there's a lot of like queer characters in this and the way that they handle the characters are mostly really good. There's some Depending on choices you make, some very frank conversations that some of these characters have about their gender and how people treat them because of it. That's really great. There are a couple points, though, like just as kind of a warning, where like the main character's parents like dead name and misgender them. And it, uh, I don't know. I get the, I get what they, why it's there and like why it's meant to show the struggle that they're going through, but it kind of comes. It just kind of comes out of nowhere and made me feel like really... It, it just feels really uncomfortable, which it's supposed to, but I feel like it could have been handled better. Like, we didn't actually need to hear their dead name. Like, you know what I mean? So there's there's stuff on the margins that doesn't work, and there's some stuff that's a little closer to the core that didn't quite hit, but uh, I don't know. It's like it's the kind of game where I'm like, I'm rooting for it. So even when it like... Like, the, the things that it does well, it does so well that it's like remains still very good even though there are some major drawbacks to it like the the goods outweigh the bads basically but yeah i think i don't know, you haven't played much you haven't played any more of it yeah right i still haven't started it. <laughs> i don't know i still think it's worth it it's it's a it's a tricky one for me but but an interesting thing to to explore right now so other than that, have you? Is that is that that's all of a thing that's on our list? Have you been? I
0: mean, that's kind of like everything we've been doing. This, cool. this whole episode was kind of like a, what have you been up to?
1: No, yeah, I wasn't like setting up the end. I was just like, is there literally anything else we should talk about? Because that's the whole episode. I just know if you had any other no. surprises in the store. No. Okay. Cool. I think that's probably it then, right? Um, it's been a f- pretty uh, a loosey goosey episode, but one that's been full of stuff. So, yeah, we'll uh, be back next week. Uh, until then, you can listen to Girl Mode on wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find us on social medias, which we'll link to at some variation of Girl Mode Pod. You can find me on those places at Robin Bombus, And I'm on socials at The Willow Row email us questions
0: at girlmodepod at com or ask them on co-host again. I'm going to say we're getting close to our one year yeah, right. and do you, if people ask questions, we can ask, we can answer questions on our one year episode. Um, also tell, tell your local teenage band to listen to girl mode.
1: Okay. No. I mean, I'm not going to advocate that anyone just goes up and starts conversations with random teenagers. <laughs> hey, these uh, transsexuals told me I needed to talk to you.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Anyway, go play <sighs> go some play video Drakengard. games. Go play Drakengard. Happy birthday, Drakengard. Go play Drakengard. Go play Drakengard. Drakengard. That's it. If if you get one thing from listening to Girl Mode ever, I really hope it's only play Drakengard. I could, I could care less. If you absorb any of our comments on the industry at large or criticism or or anything like that, as long as you play Dragon Guard, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And Yokotaro will be happy. And don't you want Yokotaro to be happy?
1: Yeah. Oh, while well, we're talking about not caring about criticism of the industry, want to shout out very quickly, very good criticism of the industry from once again, Geo from Digital Trends. Mm-hmm. I thought we might get to this episode, but we talked about too much shit. We did. We'll link to it. Great piece from Gio yeah. on like how he reviews games. And I think it's a mm-hmm. really cool thing to have like some transparency of mm-hmm. how the process works. Uh obviously from like one person's point of view, because it's mm-hmm. different for everybody, but like very cool to have that out there. Um so check it out.
0: Yeah, Gio is like one of the critics that like as a critic I always read and like whose yes. opinion I really respect. Totally. And like I am always such a believer in the best way to enjoy. One of the best ways to enjoy criticism is that you just should identify a critic who you like, believe does good work, and just pay attention to them. So, and for me, Gio is definitely one of those people. So go
1: read, go read Gio's things. One of the good ones. One of the good <laughs> Gio. One of the good ones. <laughs> All right, uh, that's it. Okay, that's it. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Okay, but um, yeah, I can, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm let's good. Clap I'm good at, go. Let's clap at, you're a good girl. Let's clap
0: at 2930, okay? Okay. I felt like we were like really in sync with that clap. <laughs> it was pretty good. Good vibes. Good
1: vibes. Good claps, good vibes. Mm-hmm.
0: Hello and uh, welcome back to Girl Mode. This is episode forty-five. Fuck. I'm look, one of your hosts. What? What? Look what You're I You're not wearing not, your headphones. Look, look what
1: I'm not doing.
0: Oh my god. I'm sorry. <sighs>